Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sam's Report. It is, what is it, June 9th? Is it that right? June 9th? Holy cow. I'm just about a third of the way uh, through the month of June. And, yeah, okay, so we're a third of the way in the month of June. Lots of good stuff going on. Huge build of Windows 10 out. There's other things that are going on in the world of Microsoft. And I, I it's time to dive in. So... Last week, I was on vacation, and I still did that kind of cheesy podcast holding my laptop, actually a Surface Book, and trying to record it, and it looked terrible, but it kind of got the point across about some of the stuff I've been talking about uh, related to the Surface hardware, or not hardware, or not Surface, or whatever it is, the next upcoming mobile device, that stuff's still rocking and rolling. Um, traveling last week, and here we go. So next week, I'm going to be in Amsterdam. <laughs> Actually, I'm leaving on Friday, so I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to do this podcast because I think my plane leaves at 11.30 a.m. Then I fly to Boston and pick up Paul like a bad date out of hell. And then uh, we're going to fly to Amsterdam together for a thing. And so, yeah. So I, next show, next week's show might not be live. It should be still here. I'll probably just do it Thursday evening would be my guess. Will be my guess. So, uh, anyways, I say we dive in here. So jumping outside of the world of Microsoft real quick, I won't spend too much time because we all know this story by now. Uh, Apple obviously had their big keynote on Monday, which is a developer conference where they announced a bunch of new hardware. Kind of odd, but whatever. So th the biggest thing that I take away from this is Apple has a new iMac Pro, uh, which is, it's not replacing the Mac Pro, but I don't understand why they had like three months ago, they had this real awkward press thing that says, hey, uh, the Mac Pro is dead. We screwed up and we're going to have a new one in like a year at minimum. It's going to be modular or whatever. And so they got a bad, lunch, bunch of bad press about it. But they knew like behind the curtains they were working on this iMac Pro. And I, I, I don't understand why they did that Mac Pro thing. They could have just, you know, kept waiting until this for whatever. Uh, but anyways, new Mac Pro, iMac Pro looks great. I, I mean, it's super high end, starts at five grand, not cheap, no touch display, no touch display on any of this stuff, not even the touch keyboard or the touch bar. So um, anyways, if that's your cup of tea, you can go check those things out. HomePod, I was actually pretty disappointed in this. It, it's very much a speaker first, it seems like, and then a Siri component later. And I was hoping more of like a Amazon Echo type thing, like the Echo Show, I think is what they're calling the one with the screen. But um, I'll be curious to see how it sounds. I don't think I'm going to buy one. I was actually going to buy one if it was more of a, like an Echo Dot type scenario that I could connect into my Sonos. But the I, I seriously doubt that this stuff is going to sound better. Not to mention Apple updates stuff so in so slowly that, okay, they put one speaker out. But if you're building out a home theater or a home whole house system, you want a sub, no sub. Um, you're going to want surround sound, no possibility of surround sound. And so they haven't fully explained what these things are. They said they're coming later this year, which again, for the iMac Pro and the HomePod, it's really odd that they're announcing this stuff six months in advance. Usually they announce a new product and then it's available really quick. Maybe they are... I don't know, worried about leaks and that they really wanted just to announce this stuff. I don't really know. But anyways, uh, no surround sound, at least. The other thing, too, is what about stereo? So music has left and right channels. It actually has more than that now these days. And so one thing Sonos does is allow you to do left and right and rear channels and per speaker and all that stuff. And if you can't do that yet, then it's not 
I don't know, as flexible. I eventually suspect they'll get there, but I don't want to invest in Apple and then wait five years for that story to materialize as they slowly iterate. Uh, iOS 11 looks good. Um, very clear on the tablet side that they are moving much more towards scaling up iOS into a full PC OS rather than taking the PC OS and scaling it down, which I do believe is a correct thing. Um, I was kind of very... Um, blindsided by the fact that many people were saying drag and drop on the iOS 11 was like the greatest thing ever. I drag and drop really like that's that's what people are like latching onto is oh my god the iOS 11 has drag and drop and it's gonna be revolution. It's freaking drag and drop. This has been a staple of PCs since uh, what early 90s, mid 90s, something like that. And so the fact that it came to iOS uh, is. I don't know, and you can go read all the people gushing over that, but I do think it's the right move. I, I'm not bashing on Apple's strategy here. It's just taking a while to materialize. The funny thing is, is that that Windows 8 had a lot of these features, and Windows 8 was very similar to what iOS 11 is, but obviously we know that Windows 8 flopped so hard that Microsoft killed it um, several times, and uh, just kind of makes you wonder why Apple can do so much better. Is it their marketing um, out-of-box experience videos? Would that have helped Windows 8? I don't quite know. But it is a little disheartening to see that some of this stuff already existed in the Windows world and that Microsoft did just a poor implementation or explanation or selling of it. I'm not, you know, it's probably just a multitude of many of those things or the fact that it was um, kind of bundled in with this Windows RT stuff. I don't know. But Apple's going down a very similar route a little bit more elegantly and several years later, but here we are and kumbaya. Uh, watchOS 4 is getting some updates and uh, they keep, it seems like they've redesigned the watchOS uh, OS or make major updates to watchOS every single year, mostly because they haven't figured it out yet. I can still tell you that the OS on this is better than the first. Um, still not great, but there you go. Uh, so that, and there's also updated MacBooks with KB Lake. That was no big surprise. So that's the Apple stuff. Definitely go check out other stuff if you want super in-depth detail because that's not I, I i don't it's interesting and i i like watching this stuff but it's not um i don't know it's just kind of boring at this point like we're waiting to see what apple does next and yeah so uh, there you go. So other things that happened kind of way back early in the week that are kind of they've kind of faded out a little bit but i, I want to emphasize how scary this is so Microsoft accidentally pushed new builds of Windows 10 to both phone and PC that were not supposed to go out. And so people were saying, oh my God, Windows Update is broken. No, 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 no. This is not Windows Update is broken. Microsoft's flighting system had a targeting issue is uh, what, what screwed up. And so Windows Update worked perfectly. I don't know why people were freaking out that Windows Update was broken. But yeah, um, I don't know why I, it still baffles me why people were freaking out about that. But Windows Update worked perfect. It was that they screwed up on the back end. And so, you know, it, it wasn't detrimental, but it kind of goes to show that if Micro screws up uh, that back end and pushes a wrong build to us, it can totally flatten your machine. When I say flatten, I mean just totally ruin it, meaning you have to flatten it and rebuild it. And so that's why you always kind of got to be careful in the insider ring is that, hey, this stuff happens. And granted, it hadn't, I think this is the first major screw up where we've seen like all these builds go out to different machines and um, different devices and just kind of freely available. But just always be aware uh, that when you, if you see an, a build installing and has been released, just 
take that extra grain of caution. Just keep that in mind. But one of the things that did come out is that because we got our hands on these bits is that you can kind of poke around. And there's a new Windows 10 SKU coming. And it looks like it's going to be called Windows 10 Workstation uh, or Workstation for Enterprise. Don't get caught up in the name. But it's a workstation grade version of Windows 10. And what it basically allows in short, is for high intensive applications, you can get more access to more hardware, meaning that this version of Windows 10 will support up to four CPUs. Windows 10 today only supports two, and I believe up to six terabytes of memory. So if you have one of these massive applications uh, that you typically run on a server and you want to run it locally, workstations for you. And so it looks like this is coming. We don't exactly know when this is going to be coming about but it has to be soon. It may be maybe at um, Inspire or Ignite in July, maybe before then. Maybe I can't imagine that they're going to hold off on this until Ignite in September. But um, yeah, at, at some point here, uh, we will learn about this. So the next thing, uh, this is a little bit of inside baseball here, uh, inside of the world of Microsoft. So when I... Um, scooped and you this goes way back this goes really far back to um the cortana days when we didn't know cortana was coming or what was going on uh, if you go back and read up and you'd have to do some digging because this is what two and a half years old at this point two two and a half years of when i, I was the first person to scoop that hey cortana is going to be docked on windows 10 and i at that time cortana was docked or nested whatever you want to call it in the system tray and that's what the, the images that i'd seen this hey cortana is running in the system tray um, and then obviously when it launched, we all know that it made it way, its way to the taskbar. So inside of Microsoft right now, they're actually experimenting with moving Cortana off of the taskbar. Uh, I've had a couple people point this out to me, so this isn't uh, coming from one, one person or whatever. I know that this is actually being tested. Whether or not it makes it into flighting builds of to insiders is another thing, but they're testing it, moving it back into the system tray. And one of the reasons why I heard that they're doing that is because many people are actually just not specifically turning off Cortana, but like myself, I took my Cortana off the taskbar because I don't like that icon on my taskbar. I have three icons on my taskbar. I have mail, calendar, and the app that I use for writing called Appy Text. And that's it. I don't, I don't pin, not even Chrome, nothing else. And so I, I like a clean taskbar. So I'm they might actually be moving it into the system tray because too many people are turning it off. <laughs> Remember, Microsoft is extremely liberal, extremely liberal when they tell you somebody is a Cortana active user. If you hit the Windows key and start typing and searching, that's an, that is a uh, user of Cortana. If you use Edge, you know how sometimes Cortana pops up in the browser? You are a user of Cortana. And so um, I'm hearing it's a pretty high... Uh, removal rate from the taskbar and, and they want to make it a little bit more permanent because they want to shove Cortana down your throat. So uh, be on the lookout for that. I don't know if it's going to happen per se, but they're definitely experimenting with it um, in a relatively wide group. It used to be relatively small and now they're expanding it. And so this, this might be happening. And so, anyways, uh, speaking of new things with Windows 10, Microsoft pushed out a pretty large update yesterday, Windows 10 16215. And so this went out, this is a legit build, this wasn't an accidental, and it has a lot of stuff in it. And this is this is what I call like the feast mode of the insider time, because this is when Microsoft is just shoving features in left and right, not because they're trying to create a deadline, because things are starting to get finished, and they know they, they have deadlines to meet and all that good stuff. 
But this is when they're shoving things in there because they need to get everything ready and tested and fully supported and they want people to play with it and break it and file bugs. And so uh, I fully expect hope, I fully expect and hope that the next couple builds are going to be jam-packed like this because this is essentially the fall creators update really starting to materialize in the in bulk. And so let's just kind of dive in here. So some of the new things, and definitely go read out blogs.windows.com or you can go to Throt and read up what Paul wrote about it. But there's a uh, new acrylic, which acrylic is, if you have it transparency enabled, um, you now get acrylic effects as part of the Fluent Design System in Start. Uh, Action Center has been updated, uh, new design schematics and functionality. Uh, you can now pin web apps to the taskbar. So if you are a progressive web app user, you can now pin those to the taskbar. And the nice thing is, is that the favicon, or favicon, however you want to pronounce it, is... Uh, present so if you like you pin reddit it's a little it's a little alien that shows up uh full f11 for full screen mode and edge uh edge actually does support ah, i just totally can't read so just f11 full screen mode and edge uh, ebook annotations are coming pdf improvements so you can now uh, annotate and highlight and ask cortana and all that stuff uh visual intelligence and cortana reminders cortana will now automatically prompt you for a reminder if you see it uh, if it sees a poster on your camera roll and all that kind of stuff. So it can take, um, it's almost kind of like office lens type visual intelligence, they call it. And so uh, proved and pens, improved pen support for Cortana, uh, various handwriting improvements across the, uh, when you write in on the keyboard and all that stuff. Although I still like tapping the letters. Uh, one big feature I'm happy they're introducing is called pen scrolling. And so if you've used a pen on Edge or any other browser and you're trying to scroll with it, it doesn't really scroll. And so now you can scroll using it. Uh, biggest change here, biggest change, that's that's incorrect. That's not justified. Uh, a fun change, uh, the biggest fun change I should, should say, is that it's now easier to get to emojis. There's a new keyboard shortcut, uh, win key plus um, period or Winky plus semicolon will bring up the emoji keyboard. And so that is great. <laughs> if you're an emoji user, Microsoft, I don't know why they didn't include this in the cre original creators update, why it took them so long to create a new uh, keyboard shortcut for that stuff. But obviously this is a massive release in terms of new features for one release. And so go download it now. Um, I again, would not put it on your daily driver, but it is a large release and has a lot of goodness and I would dig around. I bet we might see some more stuff. Uh, Skype moving on here. Skype announced this week that they're bringing for windows phone, windows RT and TV users. If you're using Skype on those platforms after July 1st, you will not be using Skype on those platforms. They will be dead. Um, Microsoft is no longer supporting that. With the release of their last Skype update, they've fully moved away from P2P and Skype is now fully in the cloud, which granted Skype has been much more reliable lately and that's probably why. And these older applications really don't work with the new infrastructure and they're kind of patched together is what Microsoft has said um, privately several times. And so they're end of lifing them, sunsetting them, whatever you want to call it. And if you're using those, you're kind of out of luck. And because Microsoft is so sensitive about monthly active users, you would think, well, they've got to have some users there, but they have to be so small that Microsoft is like, eh, we'll just kill it. And it's not really going to impact us at all. So, uh, so moving on. Moving on, uh, docs.com, if you're familiar with docs.com, it actually had a security issue, which kind of brought it back into the limelight. Uh, limelight might be too nice of a term, where if you searched on the site, you can uncover sensitive information if a user was not actively 
um, hiding it or being just smart about it. But anyways, docs.com is shutting down Microsoft when they bought, I think it's called SlideShare with LinkedIn and LinkedIn obviously is much bigger and SlideShare has, they, they quoted like 70 million users, which I'm guessing is much larger than docs.com. So docs.com is going away uh, and that's that. Uh, Microsoft has more antitrust crap to deal with, which I'm sure they are just thrilled about. So Kaspersky, I believe is how you pronounce it, has filed an antitrust complaint against Microsoft in Europe. So this is going to be an EU thing uh, with them saying, we clearly see and are ready to prove that Microsoft uses its dominant position in the computer operating system market to fiercely promote its own inferior security software. Window, referring to Windows Defender, Microsoft responded, said, uh, Microsoft's primary objective is to keep customers protected and we are confident that the security features of Windows 10 comply with competition laws. So this is going to be another very expensive endeavor for both companies and lawyers will ultimately win with one company hopefully if it's microsoft they're going to pay out billions i guarantee it um but we'll see uh I, you know th this goes both ways like is it is microsoft's duty to protect their customer is the best of their ability if you answer yes then kaspersky doesn't really have an argument if you're if, you, if your argument is that Microsoft should only under supply the underlying OS and people should have to buy another security platform, then, yeah, uh, you know, it goes the other way. And so I, I'm going to be curious to see how this plays out. It's I, I wonder if Kaspersky is just concerned that Microsoft is doing too good of a job in the security world and it's making their products irrelevant, which it probably is. I mean, if you're a security vendor, it's a little scary with this advanced threat protection stuff. Microsoft will have a very good argument, though, in saying, hey, look, uh, Windows isn't as large as a platform as it used to be. Look, go look at Android, 2 billion users. Look at iOS, over a billion users. Uh, Windows 10 has 500-ish million. And so it's not like Windows is the only game in town in the operating system world. And if they do that on the... The, the precedent here comes on the desktop because if they on the desktop if they say hey um yeah windows you can't do that then how are they going to look at ios and android because ios and android well specifically let's just talk ios does the same thing it's completely locked down and apple doesn't get in any trouble for that and so this will be an interesting case to watch so there you go uh, a couple other things. So supposedly an Xbox Scorpio logo was outed. It, it honestly looks very similar to the S that I have for my branding mark. No, I'm not going to sue Microsoft. Um, one, I, that would be detrimental to my personal well-being, um, probably my career and just about everything else. And so like, it's stupid. Uh, anyway, it's just an S with a little like line kind of cut out. I don't know. It, it's the trademark said it was related to a console. And so we'll see. Microsoft is doing their Scorpio stuff on Sunday, I believe, like 5 to 6.30 in the evening Eastern time. It's like 1 noon, I don't know. It's like 2 to 3.30 Eastern time on Sunday. It is on Sunday, so we'll, so keep in mind that. Uh, that. But speaking of Scorpio, Microsoft actually announced uh, this week that Microsoft has unlocked an extra extra gig of RAM for Project Scorpio. Games can now use 9 gigabytes of GDDR5. And so prior to this, they, they have 12 gigs of RAM and they chunked off an allotment for the OS and they gave uh, 8 gigs to developers to use for games. And, and they announced this week, they're like, ah, you know what, actually, we don't need all that RAM. And so they're giving an extra gig of RAM. So every game can now use 9 gigabytes of GDDR5 RAM. That's actually really impressive. So maybe that's going to help unlock uh, better 4K uh, frame rates. I'm hoping that if Microsoft comes out and just says guaranteed 60 frames per second at 4K, I will be drooling and foaming from the mouth because that is um, absolutely glorious. And that's what I really, really hope to see. 
And so maybe by doing that extra gig of RAM, they can actually reach that. But So we will see. I think expect a lot of that stuff on Sunday. Uh, other things in the Xbox world. And so Microsoft got some like weird like pushback. People saying, hey, don't spend so much time on backwards ca- capabilities uh, for gaming. And so they came back and said, hey, wait a minute, you guys don't know anything. Microsoft said this week that 50% of gamers have played a backwards compatible title on their console. That's actually pretty large, and which equates to 508 million hours of gamings of these legacy games. And they also specifically said, and this is very big, that one or two of their top played daily games. So what I'm assuming what Microsoft has is a dashboard that says, hey, these are the top played games every single day. And you know, each day it updates. And they said one or two of those games is actually a backwards compatible game and so that's actually great because that means that people are are playing games that are over four years old more frequently than games that are brand new and so i'm fully on board with them supporting backwards capability keep it up why why limit people you have a nice back catalog let's make it work it's one of their strengths that they can do this and i fully expect that the scorpio will be backwards fully backwards compatible just as the xbox one is and so i don't know why anybody would be upset about this i don't know where they expect them to put their additional time and so that's uh, it's just like kind of one of those feel good things. Like people are actually still playing these games because a quality game graphics don't matter. If the gameplay experience is good, CS:GO is a great example of that. That uh, people will continue to play. So. Uh, on the security-related side this week, Microsoft bought Hexadite, which is going to be folded into their advanced threat protection uh, or advanced, uh, you know, into their security portfolio. I was thinking, was it going to go into Defender? But I think it's going to be advanced threat protection somewhere under that umbrella. Rumor is they bought these guys for $100 bucks. Uh, other things that I wrote up literally just 15 minutes before this podcast started, which is always a good time to post something when you can't reread it and proofread it 55 times is that uh, Microsoft is working on a new feature called Exploit Guard, which is supposedly, and I need to learn more about this from Microsoft, because obviously when things leak like this, you don't, you don't really know the full story. You can just kind of, what, what can you gather from what uh, is in the documentation? It's not even documentation, it's the policy editor at this point. But it's called Exploit Guard, and what it allows you to do is to block applications and users from accessing what they call dangerous domains. So if you just say twitter.com and you don't want people to access it, then you can apply this policy, and it applies to everything, um, applications and users, and they can't access twitter.com. It's really just a basic security feature. Other, I believe, third-party solutions have offered similar things, and so this is Microsoft just bringing that functionality in-house into Policy Editor, which I know people are going to like. And so uh, something I forgot to talk about last week that was kind of missed is that Microsoft, through just like a video they post on YouTube, they didn't really announce this. They said uh, Windows 10 is running on more than 50 million business PCs. And so that's actually a pretty small number. I'm, I'm quite surprised it's at that low. And so keep in mind, Microsoft at that in that same video said it was of the 400 million, 50 million are running uh, Windows 10. So that, that's 50 million of the 400 million. So using that same math of about 12.5%, so 62.5 million business users would be I would be about the ballpark of today using the 500 million figure. If hopefully that somewhat makes sense, is that roughly 62.5. And the good news here for Microsoft is is that the large chunk of adopters has been consumers, which means that when the enterprise really starts upgrading and maybe that's starting to happen now is that it's going to come in massive chunks of 10,000 and and some of the large companies up to a hundred thousand. And so that's really going to boost those 500 million number. And so that is that. Oh gosh, I need a drink. All right. 
A couple good questions this week. We will kick it off here, and I need to start reading these ahead of time, but... Um, Michael Martinez writes, rather than reinvigorating Windows 10 Mobile in some form, wouldn't it just make more sense for Microsoft to continue its push for apps on Android and iOS? Arrow Launcher, Arrow Launcher is pretty nifty. Office Mobile has fairly decent features. And the Xbox Companion app seems complete. I know it's all about telemetry and metrics. Microsoft could still gather their data. Let me cough. Took a drink and it went down the wrong way. Um, so I see what your point is. And that's what Microsoft is honestly publicly pitching is that they're pushing the apps experience, right? You can download, you can get Android, replace all the apps with Microsoft services, and there you go. The big thing um, that they're missing here is on the AR VR side. One thing on iOS 11, Apple showed off their new AR, they call it AR VR experience, where you know you hold your phone and you walk around and and you get very similar HoloLens-like experience. I won't say it's exactly like HoloLens because I haven't used it myself. Um, iOS 11, that is. I've used HoloLens many times. And so that is very dangerous to Microsoft because here, here's the scenario, right? Microsoft, to build out its HoloLens, let's just say personal user experience, and I'm talking about the device that they hope to be mass market and will sell to everyone. They're using HoloLens, obviously, to get developers on board. And they're also using these AR, VR kits from... They're OEMs, like the, from Dell, Acer, you know, Windows, Holographic, that stuff that's coming later this year. All those apps and everything that get built for that will be perfectly situated for the HoloLens when it goes mass market. That's one way they are doing it. Apple, on the other hand, has iPhone. iPhone is going to be a way that they are going to build out a holographic AR, VR experience on the phone that will then translate to their headset. This is how they're going to do that. And they have a massive advantage because they have so many freaking iPhones sold. They sell 50 million-ish or more every single quarter. And so developers are going to build for that. So when Apple releases their headset or whatever the hell it is, they're going to have a massive catalog of apps and services. And so this is why it's very scary to Microsoft because, yes, these things are going to sell for the Windows 10 PC, but it's going to be a small fraction available compared to what iPhone is. And so Apple will, again, have a big, massive advantage because of their market share and all that good stuff. I fully expect that their headset, um, according to the leaks on Reddit, you know, 2018 at the earliest, 2019 is more probable, which is when Microsoft is pushing for that stuff, according to the last information that I received, although they could expedite some of that and so that is why they're so concerned about mobile is that they lose out on a lot of that stuff so simard 57 asks he says do you think there's a market for a decent small windows 10 tablet uh, i purchased a new vision and regret it it does not meet the needs not due to performance but but uh due to short battery life I would like 68 hours, 8-inch Windows tablet, uses a pen. I also want a 3 by 2 inch screen. So what you were describing is exactly the Surface Mini. Uh, that is almost ex exactly the Surface Mini. And so it never materialized. The reason being is that 8-inch tablets have never sold well. Dell made them at one point, and it was a great machine. And um, they just they never they never really sold mass market. Even Apple, look at the iPad Mini. They're, they're keeping it around, but they're not really updating it too much. People just just unfortunately don't buy them. And so is there a market for it? Sure, but I think it's too small for these OEMs to actually build out a device. So there you go. Uh, Mr. PKI says, will it be more secure? Uh, will it be more like Windows 10 S edition with no Chrome browser? 
Um, I remember he asked this question on, on Twitter, and I can't remember what he was referring to. Da, da, da. Maybe he's referring to iOS 11. Not exactly sure. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I'm going to come back to that one. Uh, Simon Oshu says, Microsoft doesn't have an official app that can sync with Out Outlook Note. With the Outlook Note. There's no way to see my Outlook Note on my phone or tablet. So what I would actually honestly recommend is that you start using Microsoft To Do. Uh, that application does sync across all those platforms, and it's going to get massive extensibility that will tie into just about everything Microsoft does. Uh, looks looks like Daily Isaac, I believe he's, he wrote in there. Um, <laughs> he wrote in there how to pronounce it. I think it's Daily Isaac. He says, "Is Windows on ARM at risk due to the Intel patent infringement?" This is a pretty ballsy move by Intel, um, and so what they're they're scared of ARM because ARM is starting to eat their lunch, and so they're trying to assert their dominance in the market with these patents and being the primary chip maker and um, inhibit the competition and so is it at risk sure um, is it going to kill it I doubt it there's a lot of big people a lot of big companies behind Windows on ARM that wanted to succeed first off you have Microsoft who is a key Intel partner um, you also have companies like Nvidia you also have companies like Qualcomm you have companies that are building uh, Samsung for that matter probably too because they build a lot of ARM chips and so is it at risk I don't think so. It'll probably become a royalty thing or a big, massive court battle, but I don't think it's going to kill it in any capacity. That would be... It, Intel would get in a lot of trouble if they killed ARM. Um, they would get sued. They would get broken up. They would be called a monopoly. And so I, I don't foresee that being being an issue. So uh, Peter K has two questions. He says, let's see here. Is the new Windows Mobile going to be renewed Windows Mobile or full Windows 10 on ARM? So I, that, that's a very good and fair question. I honestly think Microsoft is moving. So right now we have Windows 10 Mobile. I think they're going to, I don't know if they'll go with this branding, but think of it more as like Windows 10 on mobile, not Windows 10 Mobile. Windows 10 Mobile had a different, um, I believe, shell experience, and that's why they're going to C-Shell, which if you look at some of the leaks of the latest Windows Phone stuff, it's like, hey, look, the Windows Phone acts almost exactly like the desktop. That is what they're doing. They're taking that desktop experience and bringing it to the phone, which is the opposite of what Apple's doing, where they're taking the phone experience and bringing it to the desktop. We'll see which one wins, um, but I will fully admit that taking a mobile OS and scaling it up to the desktop is easier than taking a desktop OS and scaling it down to a phone. So think of it more Windows 10 on mobile versus Windows 10 mobile. Uh, and he says, can we expect comeback for Astoria with full Windows 10? Maybe we can just use stock Android emulators to launch Android apps. I would be extremely, extremely surprised if Astoria is brought back. From my understanding, that team is dispersed. It's not happening. They did a very good job at it, but that's just not the path that they wanted to go because Astoria would totally, totally kill the UWP market. Um, so he's, he, and then he goes on to, Peter K goes on to say, he says, I don't see push or any, I don't see any push on UWP apps for phone size screen, only desktop bridge. That's correct. They're totally just pushing desktop apps at this point. I've understood or heard that they're saying, you know what, trying to get developers to do all this at once maybe was too much. And so now they're just trying to get them into the store and then that they're hoping that they'll see success in the store and then eventually true move to true UWP. But the first step is getting them in the store with apps like Spotify. And um, although Spotify is coming, but it's not in there yet to keep waiting for them. 
But um, yeah, you're right. We don't see a lot of phone, mostly because that phone segment honestly just doesn't exist in any capacity. I mean, look, Microsoft just killed Skype for their own platform. It kind of tells you the uh, user base for that size. So that is that, guys. Those are awesome questions. As always, sincerely appreciate those questions. Um, they're always up at throughout.com slash forums, and then you can find uh, the appropriate one. It's usually real easy to find from the title. And so the tip of the week, is, guys, is that Microsoft will be live streaming its E3 press conference in 4K on Mixer. And so definitely check that out. I think, that, you know, a gaming fan, I, we're going to finally see some of the final details of hardware, which I'm very excited about. I really just want to know the price. Uh, release date is looking like it might be October 13th based on some... Uh, teaser videos they put out and some hidden messages something appears to be happening on 10 13 that's a friday which is typically a good day for a console launch because then everybody just plays over the weekend um, also it gives them monday through thursday to fill the channel so there you go uh definitely check that out i'll be watching uh, my wife will be really pissed because that's right in the middle of dinner time on the east coast especially on a sunday when i'm usually watching golf but uh that is that so, as always, guys, thanks for tuning in, thanks for watching, and I'll catch you right back here next time.